0: This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Today, I've got an awesome a conversation lined up for you all with Adam Shaw, who is the head of demand generation at WeSpire. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart. Uh, I grew up in paid media, uh, and we're going to talk about paid media on a budget, which is actually even more near and dear to my heart, because that's how I got started, is small Small budgets and how do you make the most of them? So we're going to dive into that today. Um, and as the show is titled, we start with mindsets. So what? What are? What's a mindset someone needs to have to work with a small budget when it comes to paid media?
0: Yeah, you have to be a tinkerer, Um, and I use that term a lot because we have a lot of tinkerers on on my uh, demand gen team. Uh, For instance, uh, one of our guys uh, who pretty much runs our paid search, he has never he never did paid search for like three or four months ago, and he's an absolute you know killer at it now. And it's because there's always something like right, there's always some little piece that he that he picks out and says, okay, you know. These keywords need to be separated out, right? We need to make these three keywords their own campaign. We need to make these five keywords their own campaign. We need a new landing page to adjust just those keywords a little bit. Um, and really, it's it's all about being a tinkerer because you know if you have a ton of budget and like your cost per meeting or whatever, if that's what you're looking for at a, in a paid search, could like a thousand dollars, but you got a million bucks, great. You know, maybe you can get another hundred k, and they're suddenly okay, great, another hundred meetings. Well, guess what? Your budget might be twenty k a month, and that's it. There is nothing that you can possibly do in the world to get more. And, you know, you got to bring that $1,000 down to 750 down to $500. Um, and you can't hide behind more zeros at the end of the budget. So that's something that you really need to be is just tinker, and nothing's quite ever good enough.
1: Oh, man. There's, there's a couple of uh, threads I want to pull on there. The yeah. first one is let's just define. I'm curious. And what, what's your definition of tinker? What, is that, what does that
0: mean? Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a nebulous list term. It's kinda like a note when you see it kind of thing. But um, if you were to if you're gonna take it actually on like a personal level, like if you were to meet know somebody or work with somebody and you see their little Slack thing on, it's green, it's ten thirty at night and you go, What are you doing? And he said and then somebody says, Oh, I thought about a set of the keywords that we're using aren't converting incredibly well, but there's a high traffic for them, so I figured we need a new landing page and I'm making one that's a tinkerer, right. They found a spot where they might be able to get another couple of extra, um, signups out of there. Um, it's just something where it's like, you may not necessarily know what's wrong in the moment, but, or maybe there's nothing specifically wrong. It's just, you, you are going to find somewhere to get better. Um, so there's not really a a hard, like, Hey, this is what being a tinkerer is, but you can just, it's kind of, you know, it when you see it type of thing. Does,
1: does it mean any, something different in, uh, the performance marketing or paid media space versus elsewhere you think
0: yeah definitely you know i think if you're a tinkerer in in um the content creation space right you are looking for better words that can get your message across like in a, in a smaller space like a little bit tighter um when and what you, you're going to do in a performance media space is going to be so much more like obvious feedback right it's i did this thing and it got three percent better um and it's just one-to-one it's very objective when you are a kind of creator it's super subjective it's okay i got this uh 15 word or this you know 15 yeah 15 word paragraph or whatever down to 10 words um but is it better i don't know let's go, let's go ask some people and, you know, we'll just kind of see what people think about how that message turned into. So it's definitely going to be a little bit different. Um, not everybody has a creative mind. Not everybody has a uh, analytical mind. So I think that's definitely going to be something that's going to specific for people. Like for me, completely analytical, I have very little, um, you know, creative uh, ability um, except for the learned ability, I guess, that you kind of get forced to on a small team. Um, but, you know, I can go and I can say, Hey, our goal next month is to decrease our, our cost per meeting by five percent what are we going to do for it let's try this did that work yes no all right let's try something else or let's keep doing it
1: it's interesting if you bring that up and i'm going to take us on a bit of a tangent as i sometimes do Mm -hmm. um yeah you talk about the kind of analytical versus creative Mm -hmm. do you do you think that they are kind of an either or or do you see that there's an overlap
0: no i mean i think People have different skill sets. Um, I've known quite a lot of people who uh, actually paid search people and SEO people are really, really good examples of this um, that have a little bit of both, right? Because they do have to be incredibly like succinct in their copywriting. Um, they don't have a lot of characters to work with uh, to get a really good point, you know, a valuable point across. Um, but there's also clear data on the other end that says, you know, hey, I've been doing all of this somewhat subjective work for the past month and my ranking went up and the traffic went up and the qualified uh, meetings went up from this piece of content. And, you know, what happens for me, if I'm looking at that and I'm dealing with a technical side where I'm just looking and say, okay, how many qualified meetings are you getting? I might go to somebody who's a really good writer and say, Hey, I know what needs to be done here to make this better. I just can't see that. I just can't see the creative piece of it. Um, but there's some people who can do both, and those are the people who make a boatload of money doing SEO.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that the one place my mind kind of goes to is, um, you know, most people think of creative as copywriting, design, etc. But I feel like it, there's a, a miss or a gap, maybe, in sort of what I'll call like creative analytical thinking, right? Mm. In terms of their, you know. There might not be an easy, straightforward way to attribute something, but there is still a way to measure its impact or how, you know mm-hmm. the, what kind of creatively figuring out okay where can i what which correlations should I try to dig for, where mm-hmm. can I find the data that might prove my hypothesis right or wrong like those things are at least to me in, in my mind are creative right, but they're mm-hmm. creative in the analytical sense,
0: yeah, I think that. I can I can kind of like pinpoint it's like why I think this this happens. Where to understand kind of more, I think what I understand what you're saying is to say like some people like maybe don't have that ability to do both. If that makes sense, and like there's a way to break it apart. I think I so exactly opposite of, of you, your background. I came from huge budgets. My first year in media buying, I spent 150 million dollars. Okay, and it was it was in political election in 2016 and it was crazy then after that i went to you know very similar kind of things all and then now i'm, I'm spending significantly less uh, i like it more but i'm spending a lot less and what happens you get kind of like typecast and these huge agencies that have creatives well they have a creative who's the actual content creator then they have the content strategist you know whatever that Means it usually means there's some sort of like, oh, I'm looking at the a- analytics of this, and then I'm going to tell the content creator what to do. Well, those people who are content creators, oftentimes, especially in these huge agencies where the content strategists and account managers, like don't care about anything except for getting that out. Nobody communicates to them why they're doing it, right? So they don't ever get to learn. Um, so I that's why I love small teams and, and small agencies now and, and smaller like companies is that that person is probably going to the same person, account manager type of person, whether like. If you're internal then you're kind of like maybe overseeing multiple things, account manager being that, then the content strategist being the person who's kind of tying it all together um, from a subjective and objective standpoint. uh, standpoint. And then the actual content creator, sometimes that's all one person. And if you can do that earlier in your career, like you're gonna be that person who's gonna be able to pull it all together. Um, The toughest part is telling the story to people who don't understand either of them, but that's a whole different uh, kind of ballpark there.
1: Yeah, we could probably have a whole separate, Episode around the the pitfalls of uh, traditional large agency structures. Um, Awesome. But going back to the tinker side of things, uh, last question for you, I think uh, there is do you think that, you know, is it uh, uh, nature versus nurture kind of thing? Is it, are you born being a tinker or can you learn to be a tinker?
0: You definitely can learn to be a tinker because I wasn't really and I am now. Um, You know, I, i a good example basically all, through, all throughout college i swam i swam at university of kentucky and um, i never like really cared about the reason why i was doing things i had a really good coach he said go do this i did it right like i didn't care there was no tinkering somebody else was doing it for me went into paid media huge budgets zero experience whatsoever it was basically just throw cash at stuff i didn't even care how the performance was because nobody did it was just like all right first of all it was tv so i mean there's not really that much tinkering you could do um and you know i had to learn it um i'm not a detail-oriented person um by like you know just by nature if that makes sense um, but i had to nurture myself into it and i've seen a lot of people nurture themselves into it it's the people who i've seen mostly creatives are able to do this or have to do it right because These days, creatives aren't being paid a lot of money. So they know that they, hey, I want to go into a more analytical side like SEO. And they basically, you know, I tell them, like, great, find something wrong with everything and just make that a habit and you can turn yourself into a tinkerer.
1: And this is probably a good transition into skill sets, actually, I think, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, how, what does, what muscles does somebody need to train to Become either become a tinkerer or be a better tinkerer.
0: Yeah, I can I can boil it down to and one paid thing. media. Yeah, no, i it, it, paid media, SEO, whatever. I can boil it down to one thing, and that is being in charge of the data. So what it has to say is that you, at some point in your career, you need to be the one who's entering the numbers into Excel or Google Sheets, whatever. um If you don't, you're never gonna like really understand like these little things, um, I shouldn't say never because there are going to be like people who are just kind of able to get it, but um, being that person to, to just do the, for lack of a better word, grunt work, like there's a reason people do grunt work and there is a reason that the people who are really, really good at um, paid media and, and analytics in general said, you know, I used to spend 10 hours on an Excel sheet and it's because they take that and they're able to like just remember all these things years later and that helps them strategically. Um, so if there's one thing to just lock into, it's, Learn how to be an Excel absolute nutcase. I call people the Excel nutcases, um, and you know, learn a little bit of like SQL and like Python and stuff, just so you can kind of like force yourself into that into that mindset if you don't already have it. Um, but yeah, to boil it down to one thing, I think that'd be it.
1: Interesting. Um, I totally agree with the with the Excel thing for sure. Uh, I never learned SQL or Python myself, but I definitely. What uh, what did you call them? Excel uh nutcases? That uh, right? nut was, was definitely yeah. one of those. <laughs> Excel freaks, Excel nut cases. yeah. <laughs> uh still amazes me how many people don't know how to do like basic things like pivot tables mm-hmm. and V and stuff. Kind of yep. crazy. Um but uh is there any any other skill sets in terms of again being successful at managing small budgets or
0: smaller budgets? Yeah, definitely. Make sure that you actually do every single part of it, even if you come in as like a senior like manager person. So I'll give you for instance when I started at WeSpire. Um, in the past I've always had a creative on my team. Um, at WeSpire, I came in and we didn't have any creatives on our team. And I downloaded Canva because I need some ads made. And I was the only person who really understood what the vision of the ad was that I want to do for LinkedIn. And I was the only and everybody else is incredibly busy um, doing the things that you know we've really like honed them in on. And I got a Canva. Now I can generally get into Canva, right? Like, so make sure you understand how to do like and literally everything in your team. You don't have to do everything in your team, but understand how it works. And if you don't, tell the person who's doing it to show you, or get the person who's doing it to show you and tell them, hey, I'm going to do it for next week's cycle or whatever, you know, monthly, weekly cycle that you're working on these things, because I really need to understand how to do this. I'll help you do two things. One... Um, In times where you're working with small budgets, but there are times that you want to, like, really push things out a lot harder, Um, it means that you have an extra hand in the grunt work. Again, for lack of a better phrase, the grunt work, the really, like, nitty-gritty stuff. And two, uh, you can sympathize with the people that you work with, Um, you know, if you don't understand what it takes to get the reporting done each week. And you have somebody else in your team doing all the reporting, and you tell them, "Hey, I know the reporting's due in three hours, but can you do this, 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 and this first? And you know, depending on who the person is, right, you're their, you're their boss. They don't want to say no to you. Um, you know, hopefully that you've built a culture where you they can say no to you. But if 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 that's kind of missing, and the person just doesn't feel comfortable doing that, um, you can really put them in a tough spot, right? And that's how you create burnout immediately, right? Like this person might have had amazing reporting about ready to come out and you just selling down everything else. And the one thing that they were really responsible for that day, suddenly didn't turn out that good. Um, so really make sure that you understand like the hands-on tactics that are going in every little thing that, that's happening. Doesn't mean do it, doesn't mean micromanage, it definitely doesn't mean micromanage, but you have to have an understanding so you can sympathize with your people and be able to help them when things need to be pushed out faster or harder.
1: Yeah, Nick, something you just brought up, I think, might make maybe a little bit of sense to take even a, a slight step back here is, there's the managing small budgets, but then there's also being a, a leader of a team that manages the small budget. Mm-hmm. Um, from a mindset perspective, I think you kind of touched on it in terms of, you know, uh, owning the whole process. Um, is there anything else that maybe comes to mind uh, in terms of, again, like pretty much what you're doing? Like what, what's a leadership mindset that you have that helps you in your situation?
0: Yeah, leadership mindset is to is to help the people on your team find what they really like and are really good at, and let that be the, the direction that you take. Um, if I were to have come in on day one at any job, we aspire, place it in the past. If I come in day one and say, this is how we're going to do it, you're you're highly likely to fail, right? Unless for some reason you know everybody on the team already and you're and you already have like that insight. You usually don't. Um, you know, you walk in and you have a tinker on your team. <laughs> And you have an incredible, like, for us, an incredible BDR on our team. So, we, I came in and said, All right, paid search is probably gonna be big for us. SEO is probably gonna be big for us. And really, really good outbound relationships early in the sales process is going to be good for us. Um, I'm gonna pick up the slack everywhere else. I'm gonna figure out, I'm gonna figure out how to use Canva, right? So, like, the big thing is let your people and the skill sets that are there guide the direction you go in. Um, especially if you have a small team right like you're not an enterprise company with 100 people like you can't just be like "Oh, i'm gonna fire four people and bring in creative right and you know you don't want to do that anyway and when you're in a small team there's so many good talented people and everybody's extremely talented because you can't just skate by like if you worked at microsoft or something right um so i guess to, i'm kind of getting out of a tangent throughout that in a bow um find what your people are really really strong in and let that guide your strategy
1: interesting yeah it- I, li- I like that approach in terms of, cause a lot of the time people will do the opposite, which is, mm-hmm. Hey, here's a strategy that I think we should go for, but it's doesn't match with the skill sets of your team. And actually it makes me think about, there's a, uh, I posted a video on this not, not too long ago with kind of a, more around playbooks, right? But the analogy I'd use there is like, you know, in football, when a coach moves from one team to another, they have a set system that they're going to bring with them, but they're going to adapt that system to the personnel that they have. They're not going to go, "Hey, here's mm-hmm. the hundred plays we ran over in San Francisco." I'm not going to Pittsburgh here, here. But I made that up. I have no idea if a coach recently went from that team <laughs> to the other. But point being is, like, you're not going to. You're very likely not going to take those same hundred plays. Like, "All right, team, we did that here. We're going to do this here." Just the same way, like you have different personality, different people. They have different skill
0: yeah. sets. Like you yeah, it's, you know, you ma- I think like to even expand it further, you maximize those skill sets. You find out what needs to be added. So if you're thinking, okay, you know, our paid search is really good and our our LinkedIn is really good, um, we are making a lot of videos or something like that, and you say, okay, but the videos are taking a ton of time. It's like optimizing out the bottom ten percent of your job, right? So now, like for us, for instance, we like to create a lot of videos. I'm the guy who's editing all the videos. I'm not that great at it. It takes me a long, long time to get out like ten videos. takes me like forty hours. Whereas I've got Buddy in the space who we end up bringing out as a freelancer who can get ten videos done in like two hours, right? Um, and you know, optimizing out those ten percent, then you can lean it as a strength. Then suddenly your bottom ten percent is a strength, and you just keep doing that over and over again. And what that means in bringing people or third party or tools to do that, um, it's kind of how you keep leaning on the, the the strengths what you have available to you right now.
1: Yeah. For sure,
0: Um,
1: in terms of uh, again, kind of bringing it back to the topic in hand, I suppose, which is uh, paid media, from a technical perspective, are there any specific skill sets you look for? Obviously, we talked about Excel and kind of the
0: analytical piece. Is there anything else that come to mind? I think if you're getting really into the tactics, it's it's understanding. that buyer, like getting to figure out what the buyer journey is for your for your customers. Right. That that takes a lot of work. It takes just a lot of experience. That's something that you can just have. Like, you to you need to know, like where in the buyer journey people are at baseline. Um, I work in an industry that is has only been around really in a way that it is like for like 10 to 15 years. Right. ESG and CSR, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, nobody cared about sustainability. Not a lot of people care about sustainability. Not a lot of people care about diversity, and inclusion. Now we have companies that have hundred employees coming and saying, Hey, I need a diversity and inclusion program. I need a sustainability program. Um, I need a social impact program, a volunteering and giving program. Um, you know, for them, everybody's baseline in the buyer journey there, not, but most of the baseline buyer journey there is really low, right? There's a lot of people who are just learning that come to us and sit and we, we get leads from people who type in to search or in legit meetings and that are converting into deals and in revenue. What is, diversity and inclusion, what is an employee resource group? Click on our ad, great, we can help you with the whole thing, done. Now, if you're in a space that's like, um, or if you have a huge brand in a space, but if you have a space that's like IT, for instance, which I've done a lot of work in IT, um, demand gen, selling specifically like data center com- like computers, that hasn't been around for decades, right? There's not a lot of, like, baseline education that need to do. Like, so you don't have to do a ton of educational content around it. You might just have to go right into that, like, uh, product content or, like, uh, or like review content, sometimes, like people call it, where you have, like, quotes of, like, oh, you know, like we're about to launch <laughs> a campaign like this. So it's very, like, top of press. is like, you know, here are some reviews from people who we worked with, some, like, really cool, you know, quote from the person and their name on the bottom. Um, you can probably lean on that a little bit harder. But if you're in, a, in an industry that's, you know, not there, then you're going to want to learn on, lean on that um, educational content a little bit more. But really, like, learning how to, like, find that inside of each of your ICPs is, like, it, it's critical for for the role. Do you
1: expect, like, on your team, do you expect, is that something that you kind of expect of yourself and in are leading that charge? Or do you expect, you know, the, the person running paid
0: search to be able to do that? Um, I I don't like using the word expect. I think that sounds really, like, um especially not the right word i i expect everybody to want to 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 learn how to do that right for me right now i think i'm probably the one who's leading that charge a little bit more mostly because i'm the one who's doing the linkedin whereas paid search is is more of a demand capture than it is like a demand generation piece um you know the demand generation for us is happening on paid and organic social a lot and, and some of our organic postings like that um so i wouldn't say expect everybody on the team understand that. I would say, I would I'd expect people to be excited to learn about it if they are somebody who wants to get into paid media on my team. Um, you know, I, I think to the extent our, our sales team and the, the business development team should understand it because they have these conversations, but these people who already converted and there's already been some education. They've, they've already been kind of like some level introduction to what we're doing. Um, you know, they're just taking that to a whole level. So.
1: Makes sense. So let, let's maybe talk about, you know, you just mentioned LinkedIn. Um Let's bring it down to uh, tactics a little bit in terms of what does your you know what does your setup look like? You're managing a small budget. I don't know if you want to share mm. how large your budget is. Not, totally up to you. but what does what does it look like and how are you what are you doing to maximize it?
0: Yeah, so our our LinkedIn budgets like really small, like it's under 10 k, like decently mm-hmm. under 10 k. Um our paid search is much higher because it's just performing a lot better right now. Um, but for me, it looks like this: I uh, have a top of funnel campaigns group, middle of funnel campaign group, bottom of funnel campaign group. Top of funnel is all video, all optimized towards video views, um, view throughs, basically view completions. I think they like seventy-five percent completions. I think or ninety-two percent. What I forget what they call it on LinkedIn. It's kind of like a really specific number. I think it's ninety-two percent or something like that. Um, so those are all optimized towards that. Um, that's really just an introduction. And then I have the the middle of funnel campaign group is all um, is mostly retargeting um, and a little bit of net new for our monthly um, live series that we do. It's called We Spire Live, where um, you know, an expert in, this, in the ESG, CSR, diversity inclusion space, whatever, comes on and talks with our CEO uh, at both the thought leadership and tactical level. So that's basically getting the education, at the top of funnel, the middle of funnel, and on the bottom of funnel, um, we're starting to introduce these quote ads, some product ads, um, but what's if you can get the retargeting into a really good spot, you know that middle funnel on the bottom funnel, you don't have to spend a lot. Like we spend more on the top of funnel than we do in the middle and the bottom, um, because the retargeting is really tight, um, and it just takes a lot of trial and error again, tinkering with it, um, which retargeting groups are actually doing the best. And if early on you have to have separate campaigns, because in LinkedIn you can't really tell which targeting is doing what within the campaign, if you have to like have individual campaigns for each targeting group or retargeting. Um, i guess group then do that uh i don't know if i would do that with a smaller budget just because i can really eat things up and linkedin just like paid search if you're gonna have a funny to find a lead it's not going to find it so uh, but that's how it looks like for us really three top funnel middle funnel bottom funnel and it's focused on top and middle is going to be all education bottom of funnel is going to be more conversion focused
1: what kind of you mentioned video at the top funnel what kind of video content are you creating
0: uh, a lot of it right now is straight to camera um, stuff with our CEO. And she, she's a she's an incredible subject matter expert in the space. Um, and it's it's decently tactical uh, with a little bit of thought leadership. We're going to expand this a little bit more. Now that we have We Spire Live moving, we're going to put some of that content out there as well. Um, but I mean, all of our thought leadership content and and uh, educational content tells you exactly how to do what we're doing, right? Um, the whole idea, especially for our product, is You can do everything our product does by yourself. It's just really hard and it's really easy to do it with our product, right? So here, here's how to do it. This is the thought process you have to have. This is the strategy you have to have. If you go on onto our LinkedIn, We uh, We Spire's LinkedIn, look at our written content. It all is like, here's how to do this using Excel. Here's how to do this using um, SharePoint, Google Docs, whatever it might be. Uh, We don't think this is the best way to do it if you have budget for it, come use our product is kind of like the idea. Right. Um, and I forgot what the original question was, but I think I answered it maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, you did. I was, I was asking like, what types of video content are you putting right. out there yep. at the top there you go. of the funnel? Yep. Tactically um, and
0: strategically relevant content. Got it.
1: And then, uh, from a retargeting perspective, are you retargeting video viewers then?
0: At that point? Yeah. I retarget people who watch the video all the way through. Um, that has worked decently well, um, at least for now. So I'd, I'd like to find a more highly engaged way to retarget, but LinkedIn is pretty limited in how you can retarget people. So, you know, for now, it's really just video views that we can, that we try to target or get through. To, so. We also have like call to action, certain type of fun, like not like really, really strong ones, but we do say like, hey, you know, check out we Spire Live if you want, here's the link. Right. Um, so... Yeah, we do get conversions there as well. Uh, That's important to note that it doesn't mean that you can't get conversions off the top funnel stuff. Gotcha. Have you? uh,
1: I'm curious. uh, Have you tested more of again what we call product marketing type content, so either testimonials or things like that at the top of the funnel?
0: Not top of funnel. Um, Well. on purpose, anyway. I guess when I was working in more of the the tech space, in the IT space, um, everything, the the company that we worked for at the the agency I was at, they, uh, everything had to convert into meetings, like they didn't believe in funnels. So I guess, inadvertently, yes. Um, Surprised it didn't do very well. Um, I just don't think that, I think that's something that, there really needs to be some level of consideration happening, especially in our space, right? There needs to be a way to explain that you have a problem. Um, a lot of folks, you know, I was talking to somebody in our industry the other day that basically said, you know, our, our giving program's okay, right? And the reporting's not that great, but what it does, and I said, so you, like, do you not, like, do you not realize that your reporting could be better? He goes, is there anything better? It's like, okay, boom. Like, that's the exact person. is like, we have to tell you you have a problem, right, with the, with the top of funnel stuff, and then we have to present that solution to you. You know, if it's Amazon, then just hit them with, you know, the testimonial or like the product had, but it, it's not, right. This is a highly, con- a product needs high consideration. So I haven't seen in that situation, high consideration products work with bottom of funnel messaging, what I would consider at the top of funnel. Um, I'm sure it works um, for some people, but not. Yeah. Much. And it,
1: we, so we haven't tested this yet, but the uh, hypothesis we're working with right now, uh, we're going to try to try to test out with some clients is um, where Pretty much, it's changing what a testimonial and/or a case study actually is. Because mm-hmm. you know the typical format is like exactly what you said. It's the only reason you might find it interesting is if you are already considering a solution or mm-hmm. a switch to another solution. Mm-hmm. But if you change it into a different format where it's more of a story that's uh, that tells you about the problem and then tells you about the solution. Yeah. Right. If from the customer's point of view. So it's that yeah. could be interesting where you're sort of doing two in one mm-hmm. and you're still, you're with the same piece of content, you're potentially getting both mm-hmm. what you would describe as top funnel and bottom funnel. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah.
0: I was no, just curious. I don't see why it wouldn't work. I think that the, the difficulty is going to be in the creative format in a way that doesn't yeah. make it look like really weird dealers want to s- scroll by. I think it also, again, I think it depends on the product, right? Like if you're talking about a a monthly SaaS subscription that's twenty nine ninety nine or something like that, whatever it might be. Right? Like I think that would work, right? Because I can go and I can say, all right, top of funnel. I have a quote from someone that says, this is the cheapest way that I've ever increased my creative output. It Co- only cost me 30 bucks a month, right? That educated people that maybe you have a problem with your creative output and it only costs 30 bucks a month and it's a testimonial. Like I think you hit all of it. Um, but with a product that's like ours, like our average deal value is, you know, a thousand times that, right? Um, It's pretty tough to be like, you know, to tell our story in in one sentence is gonna be incredibly difficult. Um, What might work, I guess, is probably the carousel ads, but I don't haven't really liked carousel ads on LinkedIn in the past, like, I've gone back and forth on it too, I gotta be honest. Like, it's, they
1: worked well, and recently they haven't been working as well Mm from what we found, so it's, something's, something's changed in the market slash algorithm on that one, which is interesting that you mentioned that.
0: my guess and like my inkling is that it's, is that LinkedIn has done a really really good job at keeping um, ads looking decently organic and they don't look anything like the organic carousel like post because they're not really I mean I guess they are kind of carousel they they just don't look like it to me. Um, it's not the same yeah.
1: flipbook style that you get.
0: Uh, yeah, it's right. Yeah, I think you, it's yeah because you get on the ad you kind of like scroll it across whereas it's a flip yeah it's here, I think flipbook's a good word for it yeah organically it's a exactly. flipbook. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. It could be that, and I didn't think about that, but that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but no, like what you're talking about, sort of for consider purchases, we're actually considering testing this. I mean, our, most of our clients, we're talking, you know, 500k to a million dollars plus, because it's service-based businesses, like in the mm-hmm. engineering space or biotech yeah. consulting or you know things like that. So mm. I think I don't. I am not. Not mine, but our hypothesis internally is that I think there's a way to to create a story that hits on a very specific problem mm-hmm. and then sort of work like just briefly mentioned solution, but it's still sort of that yeah. connection between, okay, client service provider, that kind of thing. And you know,
0: we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, no, I think it'd be interesting. Like I'm just <laughs> trying to think about, uh, how it works. So my girlfriend is, is a Ph is a PhD student at a local school here and, uh, I said it was with like Washington University, which is, like, not a local school so much, but it's, like, a huge place. But um, yeah. she's not, like, up the college. She's, it's, like, a big school. So they have yeah. these, like, massive machines, right? And and they were just talking about which ones they're going to buy. They, they, they used to, like, synthesize protein, and I probably got that terminology wrong. Right, but it's all about, like, the speed and the accuracy of it. So, like, that message would be so easy, like increase the speed and accuracy of your protein synthesis synthesis with this machine boom and first of all they don't care how much it costs these machines cost half of uh, half a million dollars and it's all government subsidized so that's not really the point of it but like that that's like okay yeah it takes three days for me to do this protein like analytics and synthesizing and i'd like it to take one day so i can get my phd done 60 percent faster um so you know something like that would be very interesting for us like some of the quotes that we're trying to put out or like Stories that we're trying to put out in very succinct way is like, uh, I think it was like optimize your reporting in uh, sustainability modules. You know, in three months, and people right now in our space love that because they just got through the reporting season. I talked to somebody in the industry who runs a sustainability for a Fortune five hundred company, and they said that she, uh, she told me that she spends three hundred days a year on uh, reporting. And I was like, okay, how can I Make this work in like two sentences to show people that you don't have to spend three days in reporting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a bunch of different directions that we could take this, but um, I'm, trying to, I'm gonna try to keep us on keep us on track at least remotely here. Um, sure. What are the what are the maybe the flip side of that coin? What are some of the pitfalls? that you think are common to those maybe first timers managing small budgets?
0: Yeah, it's super easy to get like in the weeds and metrics that don't matter. Right. And it you know, this is the type of thing that you can, it's kind of a cultural shift that you might have to manage. And if you're a first timer, like that's not something that you probably aren't gonna have the power to do that. But as a first timer, like, oh wow, look at how many signups I got, you know, um, but that like to a webinar or something like that. And you think, okay, what's the purpose of the webinar? The purpose of the webinar is to inform people about something so they're more likely to buy your product. And if you get 100 signups, but 10 people show up and none of them are in your ICP, and you go out and you report, hey, look, I got 100 signups in your seat, it's like, wow, that's the most sense you ever had. And it's okay, but it's, it's a tiny amount. You've had significantly higher more people come to the webinar. Um, but it's very easy to get stuck in that thing and then start saying, oh, okay, well, how do I optimize it so I get continue to get 100 signups? But for a better icp I was like well no what you should do is try to just get more people in the icp and not worry about that total number as much right so it's very easy to get stuck in that same with like and like the whole mql like everybody's trying to kill the mql which i i'm into that because it makes people think about what they're actually trying to accomplish right you know we look at you know what's the cost of, of obtaining a meeting that turns into a deal that turns into um pipeline revenue and it's so easy to just be like I drove 100 meetings last month. Okay, how much pipeline did you drive? Not much, right? Or, but that person was only was was saying was told that their KPI is meetings. Um, they're not optimizing towards anything other than meetings. They're optimizing towards deal size or, or even having deals come from those meetings. So, super easy. It, it, that's really easy to do, especially if you're really far removed from um the revenue team and the the uh, where the pipeline's actually happening. So you know, many times it's not that person's fault. Um, But there is definitely a learning curve that they can, you know, go through to to worry about what matters, which again, be the person entering all the data, you'll start to learn that.
1: It's interesting you bring that up. I was was just uh, chatting with an agency buddy of mine right before we jumped on. And uh, one of the things we were talking about is, you know, it's the the leaders in the organization that goes all the way top CEO down Mm to that one of the core jobs is to make sure that everybody understands how the business works and understands the business model. Because I think that's part of the problem is, yes, your core thing that you're doing might be to get meetings, but you need to understand what happens after the meeting and how you influence it. Because otherwise, you'll never bother looking because you're like, oh, my job is just to get meetings. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, and obviously the, the incentives on. play into that. There's all sorts of other things. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things I often see, and I'm curious of your thoughts on this, like, one of the gaps that often exist in organizations large and small is they're just they're just not very business minded mm-hmm. the marketing teams are not right yep. they don't understand fully how the business actually operates or what the end business objectives are mm-hmm. and then that causes all sorts of strife all you know from director level down
0: yeah, I think uh, I see that a lot. Uh, I think I'm lucky in my current role that that is that is not the case. That there's a huge effort from you know from the CEO all the way down to like really everybody on the team. Uh, everybody has an opportunity to speak up at all the meetings to have and share out their reporting. Um, and we don't share out like weird things like oh here's what happened in the last 90 days or whatever. It's here's my reporting sheet for every week. Right, like everybody in the company has access to my reporting sheet. Um, and I have access to everybody else's like, I have access to the dev development team, sprint planning. I have access to, uh, customer services, phone calls. Like I can list all of them, I can look at everything and we can all do that whenever we're interested in learning about what, e- what each other are doing. And obviously if you're working in a huge, huge company, that's not really possible. Like, you can't do that. Microsoft it's not going to work. Um, you know, you get your, your quarterly all hands or, or, you know, town hall that you, that you can hear things, but in a smaller team always just try to like report out what's happening. Um, Give people the opportunity to dig into the numbers themselves, which is to say, just give them the data almost raw Um, and then include some insights that you think are important. Um, You know, contextualize them. Most people reading this are not going to be marketing people. Right. So when I say, oh, we're going to use SEO to drive another 50 um, to, to drive another 50 organic traffic meetings. Okay, what's SEO, what's organic traffic, and how does it turn into a meeting? Like, people forget to to explain that, so you kind of lose the non-marketing people, and then you're not going to get that back from them, right? Like, if the dev team doesn't understand what they're doing, they're going to be like, I don't understand what marketing is doing. Marketing doesn't understand what I'm doing. I'm not going to tell them anything, because what's the point? Well, if you can remove that barrier, it turns into a conversation. I think that's that's something that can be invaluable on a small team.
1: Yeah, I like that. The transparency and constant communication, I think is, mm-hmm.
0: is absolutely critical, especially yeah. if your team
1: app also happens to be asynchronous too. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Let's talk tools. You mentioned yep. Canva earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a important one for a lot of mm-hmm. folks and small teams, especially. Um, what are the tools that someone's got to get? Like, is there something, I'll focus this question a little bit because you know, we can talk about Excel and whatever, mm-hmm. but is there sort of like a, a must-have tool to ma- to help you manage small budgets
0: better? Um, no, I mean, like, not a single tool, but types, right? Like having something like a Notion is, is great. Um, that's a good way to like, un- like open up that veil a little bit to everybody. Notion's awesome for that um and that is going to bring in quite a lot of like um accountability into the budget that you're using uh talk talk about that a little
1: bit more maybe i mean i think most people know what notion is but i'm Mm -hmm. curious uh talk about how how do your how does your team use it specifically to do that
0: yeah we use it to to publish all of our reporting right it's more of an article it's it's, you can both put in like yeah, I mean, you can use you can use Google Docs for this. It's just a much less sophisticated way to do it, but you know, it's just it's just a great way to publish something internally that you want other people to re- to read and be engaged in. Um, I like it because it can be viewed by everybody. Everyone knows how to use it on our team, and it, it just opens up the whole world. Like basically all of our data, not that all of our our um, processes live on Notion, so anybody can come in and learn about them. So I like that because it's kind of you know. Opens up that that curtain a little bit.
1: Got it. Any um, what what does the rest of the tool stack look like?
0: Yeah, so Notion, Canvas is great. Anything that can can get the job done. If you're a little bit more advanced, oh, I don't know a lot of advanced people really use Canva, but you know if you want to get into like Adobe Photoshop, things like that. I we don't we do One of the first things I did when I came in is made sure we got rid of a lot of tech. So uh, Miro. Uh, we use a little bit. I think we've kind of started underutilizing that. It was just a little bit redundant um, with Notion. You know, there's only so many ways you can publish things out, but that does help with some of the like thought process stuff, um, journey mapping. Uh, that it's a great tool, especially when you're just trying to get some something like built out visually. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Is oh, SEM think... Rush is great. SEM Rush is a must-have. Yeah, absolute must-have. And you need to learn how to use it. You actually don't buy it and then just try to like figure it out yourself. You know, you actually have to like take the classes and things to, to learn how to use it. It's a super powerful tool. All
1: right. So to, uh, quick thing on SEM SEMrush, what's something that you think is either like either underutilized in SEMrush or is
0: just not used or misused? I mean, it's almost always misused <laughs> top to bottom. I notice whenever I, you know, it's, like they people get it, and I think it's kind of cool. And they use it to do some keyword research, and that's like it. But it definitely takes off a lot of the work from like the technical SEO side. And you know, what I like to use, which a lot of people don't understand that they can do this, is when you when you go in and you say, okay, this is the the keyword I want to go for, and they look and they say, oh, okay, cool. Uh, you know, the keyword that I look for has uh, you know, thirty thousand. You know, monthly traffic. And it's like, I'm going to optimize towards that. And like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like look at the keyword difficulty. Um, if the keyword difficulty is like 99, then you're going to be working on it for a year and you're going to get nowhere. Find something in the middle, find something incredibly specific. Um, phrase match doesn't really work that well anymore these days, but you know, the long tail, like phrase match, long tail keywords don't work as much these days as well. But if you can find a pretty decent like specific thing in the middle of that, or the bottom half of that um, keyword difficulty, that's like your bread and butter and like make every blog post about that for like a couple months and you're going to be in a really good spot. Um, I think that keyword difficulty is a misunderstood and be completely unused. So
1: then the other, you just mentioned, you know, first thing you get, you did was you got rid of a bunch of tech. Um, I love that. Tell us what you got rid of.
0: Honestly, I don't even remember. I just like stopped signing contracts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we had like a couple of different ways to get, um, to pull emails like we already had we had had a uh, I, I think we actually still have um, uh, zoom info, which is fine. Uh, I think we got rid of God, honestly, I don't remember this was five months ago, and I don't even remember what I had for breakfast. So um, I think it was like, <laughs> even like types tools. Of tools. I'm curious. Like, yeah, I think, it, I think we got rid of a couple of productivity tools. We had a lot of stuff that was just like, we used a lot of like, we already have notion and Asana, and we had a couple other things um, that we got rid of, I can't remember what, but it's like, why did we have everything so like, all over the place, asynchronous? Um, we got rid of. Honestly, I just don't remember. I just know that we have a lot less to worry about <laughs> than I did when we first did. And it's like I removed it. Like it was an effort that was already under being, like going from our CMO who got here before me, and I was just like, hell yeah, <laughs> let's keep doing it. it it's interesting
1: bringing it up it was, uh I've I've generally been a big fan of like just being careful of adding on spot solutions. And there's somebody I can't remember who it was. Uh, I just saw somebody post something on LinkedIn about there's this change kind of happening with, especially with, you know, tighter budgets and things like that. Like a lot of these spot solutions are going away and especially in smaller bootstrapped organizations and they're just saying, okay, you know what? I'll deal with maybe a little bit more discomfort for the, for the effectiveness of just having one thing and less task mm-hmm.
0: switching and you know, all that stuff. So I it's think innate. a good way to do it. And this is how we do this is how we analyze almost everything in our company. And, and I kind of took this mindset from our CMO, Brandon Young, who's, who's amazing. He said, always optimize out the bottom 10% of your job, uh, the least efficient 10% of your job. And that might look like a piece of tech and I look like a th- third party company. But you know, eventually you optimized out like everything. Almost, right? And then you start over, okay. The hardest part of my day is the fact that I am using Canva and I'm using this other solution, right? That maybe posts for you. Actually, that's not a good example because I think Canva posts for you. Um, but you, know, you might have, the worst part of your day might be that you have two pieces of solutions that you need to use to get one task done. Is there a more expensive solution that you really didn't pick because it was just more expensive, you didn't need that robustness that now you can say, all right, let's get rid of these two little pieces and get one bigger one. And that's how you can kind of like get rid of that tech bloat is to remember that two pieces of tech can be super inconvenient and there's probably a solution for that. And at some point that might become the 10, the, the lowest 10 percent you know, efficiency of your job and just optimize out those pieces.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. That's, I think that, that mindset going back to the way to the beginning, I think is yeah. a really important one to have, whether it's 10% or 5%, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. But I think it's, yeah. it's a good way to have a heuristic, to make decisions on mm-hmm. what you want to do and not do.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. If you have, if you combine that part with the conversation of, will this help us drive revenue and how, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the point, I'll go back to the video thing because we just did that, right? I was spending so many hours a week on video and I was like, all right, I need to optimize this out. It's about 10% of my job. Um, let's bring in a freelancer. Uh, part of the conversation was also, will this increase pipeline revenue? We're running low on content to put not only on organic, but also paid. So yes, it will help our revenue. Great, do it.
1: So to- actually talk about that. This might be a good... Uh, um... Segment of something we talked about before we started recording, which is you recently like turned off paid media completely for you said a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, we just kind of got a little excited like the first half of July and maybe, uh, you know, blew it out a little bit too much and we used to pull it back for budgetary restrictions. Um, but it taught us a pretty interesting lesson. Well, A, like don't do that. Um, you know, make sure you're pacing well, which, you know, we knew not to do that. We just missed the boat a little bit um, because. We went from, we, we, we got rid of our paid media. And we, we saw even like our organic traffic just like took a hit and, you know, we know that, right? Like, but it's just cool to see it and people who are not marketers and who are not paid media people, uh, demand people like don't really get that. It's like, okay, you know, our baseline is X and we have uh, paid media. We have X plus Y. So we'll just go back to X when we turn off paid media. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't work that way. Like there is no baseline, right? Like, it goes away, it goes away. Um, yeah, I think that you know, we, for instance, we got, uh, you know, last week we got two leads that came in through organic traffic and they said they saw us on LinkedIn. Um, you know, and that was one of the things where I was like, hey guys, we can't turn off LinkedIn, Look what just happened? We do, that That, that doesn't even look like paid media. Um, you know, so good example of just, you know, paying attention to your lift. it's very obvious. The graphs were literally one week apart from each other. One week after we turned off paid media, our, our meeting volume dropped and then when we turn it on one week later it came back up so <laughs> very obvious um, yep you know, anecdotally and and you know from the data
1: it's actually it's one of my favorite uh, in a variety of ways just very basic either uh, throttle testing or just before and after time series analysis just mm-hmm. purposefully do that because that's the there's just a lot of things that attribution will miss right yeah uh, whether that be in platform attribution even if it's view through or whatever because it's all like that stuff is cookie based and anyway, we don't need to get in those details but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, in the beginning too of getting creative and how you measure like yeah to me that's one of those like it's not rocket science by any means don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like they're much smarter and better analysts out there than I am, but these basic kind of things that can allow you to, even if it's not an exact number, like you don't, does it matter whether it's 40% lift or 25% lift? Probably not.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I think uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to your point about measuring it and like getting the attribution out of it too is, um, you know, we had a lot of paid media going on and somebody messaged me said, Hey, we'd love to have your CEO on um, this it was like this, this webinar, I can't remember who it was by, but it was just, it was on Wednesday and I can't remember it. Um, but, uh, and she said, I saw an ad of her talking and I really wanted her on. Well, we went on to that webinar and within an hour, three of those people had messaged her and said, I want to get a meeting with your sales team. Um, what is What do you attribute that to? Right? The webinar? Yeah. LinkedIn too, though. Right? Like those three may never have happened. Um, now, what was really cool is one of those people, had actually been through our sales process before, but it didn't work out. And like that triggered their memory, right? So like, okay, now what do you attribute that to? Do <laughs> you attribute it to the sales process I went through a year ago? Do you attribute it to the LinkedIn ad? Do you attribute it to the webinar? And it's like, okay, so like now you're now, you're now overthinking it, right? And just make sure there's a lot cares, of really good content right? out there. Yeah, the answer is who cares? A, because the revenue's there. B, like, you know, just make sure that you're not, you know, doing anything rash. You're not just like massively dropping off anything and you're, you're probably in good shape.
1: Yep. Yeah, for sure. I like just... Having the the understanding that things are tied together is yeah. all you need. Yeah. It's really. a holistic in, in marketing most approach. Cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Holistic marketing. I think if you're not looking at it in that way, then you're missing out on something.
1: Awesome. Well, uh let's talk about results then. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've been you've come in, you've built a team that really that that's uh maximizing their skill sets and what they're doing managing a smaller budget in an effective way. You've built the funnel. Um, what's it been doing for you?
0: Paid, uh, uh, pipeline is I'm looking for. Pipeline's way up. Um, something that we did that was pretty cool was we actually redefined um, when we apply dollars within our pipeline, which what do you mean? I don't know why it works. So basically, we were waiting until a certain period, right? Like, way down the line to apply um, actual dollars right so if they got through like the second or third stage then we apply yeah. now we apply it, like really really early what that's done especially now because you've brought up the quality of leads that come is that you know we're applying it earlier we know the resources we need to put in and we understand where to put in the paid and the organic efforts everywhere else be way way sooner our our buying cycle is depending upon especially the enterprise companies depending on what time of year it is. like nine months um so i wouldn't i I wasn't going to be able to get that feedback for three or four or five months to see when they move to stage two three four five in the funnel whatever it might be um now we put it in really early and i can say um not too early in the point where it's like doesn't really exist but we're just throwing thing on there but early enough where i can actually go and say you know two weeks to three weeks later hey this specific effort we did has produced pipeline let's keep investing in that um you need to find that kind of balance especially if you're going to make a big change but that's been the biggest change is that you know we're able to now attribute success a lot quicker uh, and failure success and failure a lot quicker and um we've seen huge pipeline growth come from that
1: god it it, it's amazing to me how much um the like the, the the technical side of the sales process, I guess you can call it rev mm-hmm. ops, whatever, yeah. yep. influences what you can do with marketing.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, we, like,
1: we've got a client who we're working through a measurement strategy piece with them and we're just finding out that, oh, well, a good portion of the time, people don't even put in the opportunity until it's close to closing. Like, well, that that's a problem, like,
0: yeah. Huge problem. do you have any
1: idea what that does to mm-hmm. our understanding of what's happening in pipeline in the first place and where to invest and how soon to invest?
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's part of my mandate leading demand gen is, is for me to be understanding of everything that's happening from the second somebody first years about us all the way to the point where they potentially become a client. No, I may not be, I'm, I'm for sure not responsible for every spot, every, every piece of that, but I need to be hyper aware of every piece of that. Right. Um, this may show an absolutely awful work-life balance. So I do not recommend anybody. I me this, but like, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I look at HubSpot. Um, literally five 30 in the morning alarm goes off, boom, and then cool come in overnight. Yeah. Great. And then I look at it again at noon. I look again at the end of the day. I look and see what deals moved, what happened, wh- wh- what's going on? Why did they move? How much got added? How much got taken off of, of deal value? Um, and we really need to understand what it is. So like, you know, there's a couple of things that I've noticed recently, which is to say that, um, on paid search, it's moving a lot quicker, but it's also a smaller, um, smaller budget. Uh, that's fine. Like that's, that's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing, right? And I and I'm paying attention to that really closely on a day to day basis because of how quickly these move. Um, you know, we're getting these guys in a pipeline a week after they 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 they, they, they sign up for the form fill for the demo, and um, I'm able to just go around and say, okay, let's go make that adjustment. Um, so, yeah, don't do that. Don't look at house fast first thing in the morning. <laughs> no, it's interesting
1: you bring that up you bring that up though because at some point. It- it like you said, it's fine. But at some point, once there's enough volume there, you you do want to ask the question of well, why is that? Mm-hmm. And then it's is there something I want to do about that?
0: Yep, exactly. Cause yeah, it, and is it
1: because the people who end up searching are in organizations with tighter budgets, so they're maybe more price shopping and comparison shopping c- compared to mm-hmm. others that just go and get a recommendation? I'm totally yep. making that up uh, again. I've yep. seen that. I've seen that in others. So I'm not totally making it up, I guess. But
0: and if no, that's it, the it, case, it, it, okay. Is there
1: something you can do about that, or is that is that just how it is?
0: Yeah, and I think the next step, and we're not gonna, I'm not gonna do this now, but like at any time soon, like cause we're again, we're a small team. I can't just like have somebody go do this for like three or four days straight it would kill our whole momentum. But what I would like to do is understand, like now, Tinkerer, right? Which keywords are getting the higher revenues out of it? And now we're getting to the point where like everybody's in this whole world of like. Stop paying attention to those upper funnel metrics and stuff. I'm going to get crucified for saying this, but like, just digging in and saying, okay, which keywords are producing the fastest moving leads in uh, the fastest moving, you know, opportunities, and which ones are producing the highest volume? Because then I can break that out into different campaigns, and I can say, all right, you know, people who are searching for this are super, super price conscious. So let's highlight. You know, either that. You know, if we aren't the, the if we aren't the lowest priced option, why getting a little bit more, paying a little bit more is it worth it? If we are, then let's highlight that. Um, if you know a different keyword is is much bigger but and moving much slower, then we may be talking about a huge enterprise client that are coming in and, and, and looking at this, and so we might want to talk a little bit more about implementation and and how we might work into their IT or their you know their their their, their security processes, things like that. Um, again, that's. It's like, okay, what's going to have the most effect on revenue right now? That wouldn't, so I'm not going to focus too much on that. But, you know, in the future, that's something, right, for us to look at. It's on the shelf. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that brings us kind of to a certain extent full circle on the skill set side of things. Is going mm-hmm. back to that, you, you need to understand the the business model and how it all works mm-hmm. and what the different aspects are.
0: Because otherwise, yep. you can't do these things. 100%. completely agree.
1: Awesome. Well, Adam, I know we're been chatting for quite a while here I want to be cognizant of your time and you know we've talked about uh the mindsets in terms of being a tinker I think that's a great one uh and how to become a tinker if you're not we've talked about uh, you know skill sets in terms of um just being really good at excel understanding the data understanding the business uh tool sets are pretty straightforward we talked about some of that uh, I love the uh, concept around um, uh, you know constant communication using notion for things like that and just publishing reporting openly uh, etc uh, and then results kind of speak for themselves right uh, in terms of increased pipeline and just mm-hmm. that that lift you were talking about in terms of hey look what happens when you turn off paid media mm-hmm. um, so shared a lot of awesome stuff is there anything that maybe I did not ask you that we didn't touch that you're like hey if you're managing small budgets
0: be on the lookout uh, I mean, yeah, we could do a whole series, right? But I think for now, this is good. <laughs> okay, sounds good.
1: Uh, maybe we'll have to Called follow up. the baby budget series. <laughs> there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, well, in that case, let's switch to our lightning round.
0: I didn't look at these questions ahead of time.
1: That's all right. They're not, they're not difficult, I promise. At least they, don't, at least they yeah. shouldn't be. Uh, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success?
0: Uh, Pipeline. And revenue.
1: What is something new that you're looking forward to testing out this year? Especially considering you've got a small budget. Mm.
0: Bigger budgets. Bigger budgets. (laughs) I'm just yeah. I'm just going to use that bigger budgets. (laughs) All right, we're all with it.
1: Um, What is a marketing best practice that you think should no longer be a best practice?
0: uh i i'm not sure how to answer this quickly but um basically stratified kpis uh, which is to say that like throughout the revenue team people are getting bonused and on different things because if i'm getting bonused on meeting volume you best believe i'm going to get a lot of meetings pushed in um and you know if the sales team is bonused on revenue um they're probably not gonna like me very much because i don't really care right (laughs) um so yeah making sure everybody's pretty aligned on on what that all means and and you know who's given the kudos for what but kudos are in good jobs or on larger paychecks
1: yep for sure uh Uh, what is your least favorite business word or phrase
0: uh gosh um anything with three letters basically KPI, like acronyms. KPI. Yeah. Acronyms. That's what I'm looking for. Any acronym. Yeah. <laughs> Got it.
1: Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book?
0: Oh man, I don't read. Um, or podcast. We can go that way. I don't listen to podcast. Well, I do. I listen to crime. Uh, I try to like turn it off when I'm not working. Um, Oh, you know what I read a long time ago that that's always resonated with me is Blue Ocean Strategy. I think that's a great book. Um, highly recommend checking that out, especially early in a market or early in your business career at all. Um, definitely read that. And if you haven't read it late in your career, read it. It's good. It's a little dense, so <laughs> make sure you put enough time aside for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a
1: uh, that's definitely a big one. Um, what is your favorite? song or playlist or artist?
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't know, like, song or artist, but playlist, I listen to a lot of, like, Chill House. Um, I have a pretty active engine in mind, and uh, I think using uh, Chill House brings me down a little bit, a couple notches, which is definitely needed. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll fly off the face of the planet.
1: (laughs) Very nice. Uh, What is something that somebody couldn't find find out about you uh,
0: through your LinkedIn profile? Hmm. know, oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. Oh, I, am a, I'm uh, level one certified in uh, Somalia. So that's kind of fun. We talk about that on LinkedIn. Um, that's not the, level one's not that impressive, but working towards level two, which is what I would consider to be somewhat impressive.
1: <laughs> very cool. Very cool. How many levels are there? I guess I don't even know.
0: Three, oh, yeah, like three and a half. There's like an introductory level and in level one, two, and three. Got it. Got it.
1: So what, are, uh, we're we're ending the lightning round. What does uh, what does level one signify? Like, what's the what are the requirements to have level one?
0: Um, you take a test, and actually, the one's just a test. But it's a it's based on wine tasting and um, identification, and then theory, which is basically like how grapes are boil it down how grapes are grown how wine is made why it tastes the way it does where it's from where the smells come from with different chemicals do different things so there's it's like a hundred question tests i think something like that i have to double check but the, the study guides like that <laughs> and then there's like three other books like that so <laughs> and what's uh wh- what's level two uh more of that and then level three is cons- cons- actually it's considered the hardest test in the world um like there's only like 300 master sommeliers in the world Um, I'm not. I'm just doing this for fun. So can't imagine I'll ever get to level three. Um, if I do, cool. Not. not, I really don't care. I just like drinking wine.
1: Got it. Got it. What's uh, are you? uh, Um, is there a particular type of wine? Um, for what? I don't know. Good question.
0: (laughs) It depends, man. I like a lot of wine. There's very little wine I dislike, except for bad wine. Um, I think every grape can be good. I don't know, like if you're just like somebody who just really likes, who just wants to like get into wine, I think Tanat is kind of fun. It's cheap, uh, but really, really high quality. Oh, it's cheap remember anybody to get it from, really high quality. Um, right bank Merlot or right bank Bordeaux, which is Merlot mostly more to Merlot is, is decent. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot. That's a hard question to ask somebody gets like, is there one type of wine? No, <laughs> there's lots.
1: <laughs> no, I think you actually answered it kind of that. That's what I was getting at. Is like, if you're uh if you're somebody that's trying, that, that wants to get into wine, where, where's a good place to start?
0: Mm. Yeah, and I, when people ask me that, it just like, depends. What do you like to eat? What do you like to drink? What do you like to do? What do you, yeah. what, in what situations do you want to drink wine? And, you know, I don't know. I, There's so many. Something that's – I always say there's something that's super obvious, which is like a, a Tanat or like a California cab, just something that's like incredibly obvious what it is. Gotcha.
1: Awesome. Well, Adam, this has been – it's been fun. Hopefully it was
0: enjoyable for you too. Yeah. It was awesome. This was tons of fun. I love doing this. I'm a huge marketing nerd, so keep doing it. <laughs> cool,
1: awesome. Well, um, the is, Let's see. I think I'm. I don't keep the schedule. I want to say this is going to come out in early September, um, but we'll uh, we'll let you know. There'll be all the you know. We'll send you all the assets. You can use them as as you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, this was this was fun. Thank you for. Spending the time on a Friday.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, do you send it to me first before you post it? Just so I can make sure I didn't say anything I shouldn't have said.
1: (laughs) Um, We generally don't, but if you're concerned by it, we definitely can. I'm sure I didn't. (laughs) I don't remember you. You did not mention any. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll write down a note, but I don't remember you saying anything specific.
0: Nothing that sounds proprietary? Great. (laughs) No, I don't believe so. Good, good. All All right, the well closest cool, we got to fun. proprietary
1: is that our budget, our LinkedIn budget is less than ten grand or something like that. Yeah, which do not the most people's
0: budgets are less than ten grand. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. I really had a great time, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is great.
1: Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, you have a great, uh, great weekend. You
0: too, bud. See ya. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library, complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.